0: Blog TALK RADIO You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a
1: blogger so dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger so dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics.
0: Robert Reinhardt. How are we doing tonight, Rob? I'm doing well. How are you doing tonight, Riley?
1: Not too bad. I know you were uh, kind of getting under a timeline to get in here, so I'll give you a minute to catch your breath. Um, I know you were sprinting up the stairs to make sure we got here in time, but I appreciate the extra effort and uh, hope you uh, hope you got here and are settled in. All right.
0: Yeah, settled in okay with celebrating our guy Jake Sloan's birthday a little bit, and um, but ready to talk some Wake Forest sports.
1: Absolutely. Um, it wouldn't be a good show if we did not wish our guy Jake uh, at Blogger So Dear a happy birthday. So I uh, hope you have a goal, man. And we won't mention your age on here so everybody still thinks you're cool. Um, but let's uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about the Wake Forest Georgia Tech game. Obviously, it did not go as planned. Um, well, it didn't go as we hoped. It maybe went as planned for a lot of people. Um, Wake Forest Went into the half up 21 to 13, but like we've seen the last few weeks, uh, well, the Florida State game, I guess in particular, it could not sustain the success it had in the first half, um, and really just fell apart, getting outscored 25 to three in the second half to Georgia Tech, who in their own right is a very very good team. They have two losses now, um, both were on pretty much last second plays or in overtime. So, uh, you know, let's kind of start off with the positives. Rob, what did you see on Saturday that made you say, hey, this is uh this is a way team that's. Kind of moved on um, and gotten a little bit better at the years gone gone
0: on sure in terms of positives I you know I thought we had a a good offense we we put up a decent number of points particularly in the first half scoring three touchdowns out of four drives first drive was a a terrible three and out, but really over over four yards of carry with uh, with Bird Carney and you know I thought the passing game was was pretty solid overall pretty pretty good yards per attempt from, from John Wolford I thought Tavari Hines was a nice bright spot uh, Greg Dorich obviously continued to be a, a very strong performer so I you know certainly be interested in seeing those two on the on the field at the same time if at all possible but you know in the second half we we couldn't quite finish the drives we we still moved the ball pretty well on a number of drives but ultimately could not convert it. You know, what, what matters is scoring points, and we did not do that well enough in, in the second half when we had our opportunities.
1: Yeah, if you had told me going into Saturday that the, we were going to score 24 points and it was all going to be on the offense, I would say that we would we would be right there. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case. We, we did score three first-half touchdowns um, on three attempts inside the Georgia Tech 40-yard line, and that was primarily due to a, a balanced run and passing game. Uh, we noted in some articles last week that Georgia Tech is not very good at defending the run, and we seem to exploit that early. Um, a healthy Cade Carney came back, and he had 10 runs for 70 yards in the first half half um in the second half it just seemed like we we couldn't get him the ball uh, even though he had nine carries uh, for a, an additional 22 yards I know Georgia Tech made some changes at halftime to kind of move linebackers up get guys in the box and, show, and force Wake to beat us throwing the ball but did you believe that not getting Cade Carney the ball and I, I'm not sure he even came in for the first two possessions um was that part of our downfall in losing the game
0: Certainly could have been. I, I thought he was he was doing a great job right from the the very beginning. He was getting ten some yards or re- really good really good chunks of yardage that were either generating first downs or certainly keep us keeping us on schedule to generate ad- additional first downs. But yeah, obviously obviously to uh, to start the first ta- uh, the second half we were way out of whack. So. The, the passing game, I don't I don't think, hurt us necessarily, but it seemed like we went away from a good mix of, of things going that we had in, in the first half. So I would have liked to have seen us continue that a little bit more. It seemed like Carney had fully bounced back from some of the injuries with his rib that he'd been dealing with, and it, it was really encouraging to see him get back to, to his old form like the games he had again. Not – exactly like the game he had against Duke last year, but he had really shown a lot of potential on a flash last year. And you weren't exactly seeing that in earlier games. So it was a good takeaway that, that he was healthy, but I would have liked to have seen us use him a little bit more in the second half.
1: Yeah. And you know, while we were watching the game, I, I wasn't all that happy with the play calling. Um, by Coach Clausen and Coach Ruggiero. I think that we had a lot of problems um, managing and balancing the run game versus the pass game. And, you know, we finally established the run game in the first half, and just going away from that, I think, was probably the most frustrating thing um, as an obvious biased observer. Um, but it, it was interesting reading my Twitter feed because everybody seemed to have the same reaction. And I know in the past we've kind of said, you know, why don't we throw the ball if we can't run it? Um, but this game, we were actually able to run the ball, and we, it seemed we came out trying to throw the ball. And this kind of leads us. It, uh, it into another question. Um, in my opinion, I feel like we tend to try to outthink our opponents, which is a good thing, but we wind up just outsmorting ourselves. Um, what I would have liked to have seen was just go back to the run, show that make Georgia Tech show Wake Forest that they can stop the run and if they can't then you just keep giving it to Cade you keep giving it to Bird Um, but it seems like we rotate our guys so frequently and we change and go to the patch when we see a certain um, layout on defense that we just can't establish anything do you think that the coaching staff is overthinking it a little bit or do you think they see certain things on the field and if they see that they're going to do it where do you think the coaching staff falls in that regard and to follow that up do you think the it seems to me that we have been getting outcoached a little bit in the second half. Uh, teams tend to make adjustments, and we just can't combat those adjustments. Do you think that's more a, of a coaching thing that we're falling behind on, or do you think it's talent ultimately uh, winning over the talent that we have on our team?
0: Sure. I think, you know, in the example of FSU several weeks ago, I think part of that was just was just talent. I think, you know, Florida State recruits at an unbelievably high level and they, they were able to take over on, on talent. I thought, you know, their Blackman made a, made a really good throw there at the end of the game that, that, that sort of won based on that. But, you know, I do think sometimes we get a, a little bit too cute with our game plan in terms of, look, you look last year against Army, we decided to throw at 40 sometimes when we clearly were uh, better at running than throwing the ball, and that Wolford threw, I think, three interceptions. We got a little cute. Um, the one thing I will give our coaching staff – Credit for I know there was the discussion of maybe taking a little bit more time off the clock because of the kind of offense that that Georgia Tech runs and our defense would get a little gas. We stuck with the tempo. Now I, I was critical of us doing that at the end of the of the first half on on the on the touchdown run, and and I will maintain that. But we did keep up with our our tempo philosophy, so it was good to not see us necessarily change what we do. Uh, for for an opponent but you know I think part of it is talent Um, I I think in in this case they just had a a really good quarterback and we weren't able to stay disciplined with with some of our linebackers and keep up with some of that breakaway speed so some of it can be you know at one point teams just faster than the other and they get enough big plays and it's over
1: yeah, and I think what's frustrating, at least to me from watching, is that it seems that we do have more talent on the field than we've had in years past, but the, the, I guess the way that we used to win games was by playing smarter, um, just not making mistakes, and having a coaching staff that, you know, trusted in that. and in place that we could execute. In the second half against Georgia Tech, we didn't do any of those things. The first drive was a complete and unmitigated disaster coming off the end oh of... Where we, yeah, yeah where we, in the first half, we get down it. I will never, ever, like, blame us for scoring a touchdown, but you've got the ball with a minute left and on your one-yard line. Take some time off and at least force the other team to call timeout so that they're running it down. I mean, you have a maximum of, you know, three plays plus a kick if you don't make it in. If you have that and you know that Georgia Tech is not a quick-strike team, but they can they, – they are an explosive team where they can get those big plays every once in a while. Um, and you don't tend to think of that as a triple-option team, but Tech has shown the ability to do that, as they did to open up the game. Uh, I would have loved to have seen our coaching staff slow it down, either force Georgia Tech to take a timeout or just run time down so that you know they don't have a lot of time and we're going to score at the end. And so, obviously, they came down. There was a bad penalty by Javori Williams, um, you know – Was it late? I I don't know because – I mean, it was late because he stepped out of bounds, but I think the defenders in general in football are getting put in a really bad position where if the guy's on the sideline, then they can let up and let a guy go by and run by and get yelled at by the coaching, or they can – let him go out of bounds and maybe hit him a second late. And, uh, unfortunately, that's what happened on that play. Got him 15 yards. Uh, I don't really know what he could have done there. I thought Livas was a little bad, but on the replay it wasn't as bad. He did hit him late, but I don't know what you really do there. Um, but the I hate the word momentum because I don't really necessarily believe it applies, uh, especially over a halftime. I think coaches just tend to make adjustments and things get better. But you come out in the second half, we have another false start, um, and it seems our tackles have had let- false starts all over the place this year. Um, so we get backed up to start, and then uh, Ryan Anderson snaps the ball, and John Wolford's not even looking. So uh, I don't know how that happens. I know it was kind of loud in Elena, but uh, it's just another – thing that we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot and we're finally getting their talent wise but we just can't seem to sustain the mental discipline and especially against that triple option defense where you have to just stay on your gap trust your other guys to do it and that caused them to have two really long runs that eventually broke open the game so it wasn't necessarily that I was surprised that Georgia Tech did that to us but we looked better than I thought we would in the first half we got out to 21 to 10 and I felt good about what we were doing, but unfortunately we just got out-coached, out-executed, and out-disciplined throughout the rest of the game. And that's kind of what Georgia Tech does to you. So, um, you know, on the defensive end, what did you think about the, the game plan overall, and do, do you, were you not impressed with what we did in the second half, or do you think it was just a byproduct of Georgia Tech being a better team offensively than our defense is defensively?
0: Well, I I don't know enough about defense to really comment too much, but it did seem like from some of the things I was reading, we as a defensive line we really tried to to dictate which side Georgia Tech ran to, and they made some adjustments at, at halftime, and we we were really unable to do that. I I thought, you know, there were there were definitely critical situations where our defense did come up big. I thought our special teams that some of the two point conversions were big. Um, the the extra point there at the end to keep it within seven initially and, and not jump up to eight and and really on the very first drive after we got a, a pass interference call on on Bassey I believe and I never really saw a replay I'm not sure whether that was a good call or a bad call but I thought that was a really impressive stand there to limit that drive to just three points but um you know we didn't come up big and and the certain situations there was that third and eight there in in their own territory and Georgia tech converted a 17, 18 yard pass. They had pretty much a hundred percent success rate the the rest of the drive. They were on schedule the rest of the drive. Uh, Georgia tech very good at doing that, but I thought our defense um, really didn't do a good enough job. I would have liked to have seen us been a little bit more aggressive in, in certain situations because Georgia tech really, really didn't fumble the ball. There were a number of times where Georgia tech had uh, pretty much like a two on one. And with, with the option man and, the, and, and the, you know, the back or the receiver where there, there was really nothing we can do. We weren't necessarily put in the best position to succeed. So um, I, I, w- I thought our defense was honestly going to do a little bit better Against this option offense, and that's knowing that Georgia Tech's offense is incredibly talented and, and very disciplined.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know, I kind—I I don't necessarily disagree with your point, but I—I I, I think that. Our downfall, ultimately, that we were too aggressive, but we were aggressive in spots, not necessarily that were indicated and predicated by the play call defensively and our defensive coordinator, but guys just lose gap discipline. And I think a lot of that is they feel like they have to make a play, and that's kind of been what's going on the last few years, where our offense and our coaching staff, the mentality is – You know, the defense is going to go out, and they're going to get stopped, and then maybe we might score on offense, and and this year we've done a little bit better, but, I mean, you get to where it's, you know, 24-21, Tech takes that three-point lead, or 25-21, whatever it was, um, and we – you know, if you're the defense, you're like, well, these guys aren't ever going to score again. We're not doing anything successful, and so we've got to make a play. So I think against the the triple option uh, attack that Georgia Tech runs, that that'll just kill you. Where you lose gap discipline, you lose where you're supposed to be because you're trying to go make a play, and that, that's where, um, you know, that military style precision that Army, uh, Air Force, and Navy started that with, it's kind of carried over to Paul Johnson and Georgia Tech. That's where they'll get you. If you, if you over-pursue, you lose where you're supposed to be on the gap, they'll make you pay, and that, that's ultimately what happened on those long touchdown runs. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say a couple of things about the defensive line. I know Zeke Rodney was out. I thought Dion Young, uh, the transfer from uh, Northern Arizona, did a fantastic job filling in there. There are a couple of times where I was watching that at the point of uh, the line of scrimmage, and he just dominated the center to get in there and blow up the play. So the fact that he's a third-string uh, defensive tackle on this team says a lot about where we are um, and obviously I would be remiss if I did not mention Duke Edgefor who in the first half had one of the most dominant games that I've seen um, maybe tied up there with the, his overall Duke game last year um, but ultimately it just wasn't enough and uh, the thing that I another frustrating thing uh, just If you look at our offense, and yes, it was actually better statistically than I thought. Um, We've ranged 63 plays for 6.22 yards per play. We're actually above average uh, nationally on yards per possession, yards per play, and uh, the points that we are expected to get uh, on each drive. We were a little under that, but we were perfect in the first half. But we also made us stay on on schedule slightly above average, Um, and the third quarter just killed us where we – one out of every five plays stayed on schedule. And, uh, you know, that's where you can really lose the game. But, you know, if you look at our offense, you say, what does our offense do well? What is the identity? What is Wake Forest offense known for? I I I couldn't come up with anything. I don't know what we're trying to do. I know we're going tempo. I know we like – in theory, we like to establish the run to go to the pass, but except when we try to go to the pass to establish the run. I mean, do do you think the fact that we don't have an offensive identity, and maybe I'm off on this, and you think we do, but – there's nothing that I can go to and say, hey, this is what we do well. Let's stick to it.
0: Yeah, there's certainly – this sort of gets back to what you're talking about in terms of specific game plans for specific teams or doing what you feel you do well and then just going out and trying to <laughs> execute as best as possible week in and week out. And Cam Serenade did not have a catch in this game. And I don't believe he had a had a target. He could have. Um, but I'd be misremembering mis- it. And he he's a very talented player. He's gotten better as a blocker. Has been a, a good receiver for us this year. I believe has five touchdowns already on the year. And, you know, in situations like that that final fourth down where, where Carney got s- stuffed and, you know, we can go into that play if you want. I did not think the, the play design was great, particularly going against the defense and how overloaded it was on that left-hand side. That's a situation where I'd like to see us at, at least look at Serenay. And and some of the times it's tough. Look, well, you're not seeing an all-22. You don't know, okay, is Wolford looking at Serenay first? And and it's it's covered by the defense, so he's going elsewhere. But it, it seems like we we want to get Dorsch involved. Um, we clearly want to establish some some parts of the run. But as of late, you know, initially you were thinking, okay, we're not doing as much zone read because Wolford, we don't necessarily want him – running the ball as much against Florida State against Clemson I, well, obviously didn't play against Clemson could get hurt but then you come out against Georgia Tech and he he ran the ball four times and earlier on in the season I think against Boston College he ran the ball 19 times I I could be wrong but he had clearly be, been running the ball a lot more so I don't know whether that's an adjustment for a shoulder or, or what the situation is but but you're right it seems like we try and do a lot of different things week in and week out, and, and we seem to have, have the talent and the players to be more cohesive. But I think if instead of having some of these ad hoc game plans, if we stuck with what we were good at, we could, we could have a little bit more consistent success from drive to drive.
1: Yeah, and obviously we're not we're not offensive gurus or offensive coaches. So the only thing that we can really see, we don't study the All-22. We just see the results and what kind of comes out on the stat sheet and what comes out. But, I mean, to have a guy like Cam Serenier, we've targeted him 18 times in seven games. That's unacceptable, in my opinion, for a guy who is that good to only have 18 targets. Um, and, and I think that my take on this is that we just don't utilize the middle of the field that well. And I don't know if that's because we feel like Wolford can't see it very well or he can't make the throws there or – I don't know what it is where we just – don't use that part of the field but we rely on out routes like deep out routes which Wolford throws very well and then some of the play calls on third down and fourth down where you know that we're setting up to go for it on fourth down if it's a third and five don't go deep for a 40 yard gain when you can pick up two and a half three four yards on either an RPO or just a handoff up the middle Um, and if you know you're going for fourth down then make the play calls over your four downs that set you up for success know that you have to get 2.5 yards per play and don't Try to get a 40 yard gain because you're like, oh, they're stacking the box on third down. Let's outsmart them with Scotty Washington, who doesn't ever come back to the football or can't use his body to box out. I mean, we've got, I think Dorch has been targeted 64 times, which I, that's great. That's 34%. And I want him to get the ball as much as possible. I'd like to see us get him to him on some boundary runs because I think that would. Kind of kill two birds with one stone. It would get the ball outside early on in the game, where so they can't stack the box, and it would also get Dortch more touches, who is one of the most you know, already elusive and electric players in the ACC, if not the country. Um, so I, I know we're trying to get him the ball in a lot of routes, but I don't feel like a lot of times we're setting up our guys for success. And if you're not going to have that quarterback run, I think Wolford ran three or four times, like you said. Um, they don't have to respect that they don't have to sit the linebackers don't have to sit back they can go downhill knowing that we're either going on a deep out we're not going over the middle so they can just blitz up the straight and put their hands up because he what six one if that um and or they just know that we're handing it off so I, I think a lot of the problem is that i don't know what we're trying to do i don't know what our strengths are um and if we're not going to have multiple threats, then our defense can just go downhill and try to get us at every every turn. And, you know, after looking at the stats at the game, I wasn't as upset offensively because Georgia Tech does have a good defense and we probably outperformed what we should have done. But it's just really, really frustrating to see, in my opinion, the play calling. It just doesn't set us up very well for success. And I don't know if you agree with that overall or if you think that it's just kind of a small sample size. but um, I, I would just like to see it try to stick to something that works and stop trying to outthink every opponent and make them show that they can stop what we're doing well before we move on to the next thing. Um, do you have any final thoughts on that?
0: I mean, just in terms of, of the offense and, and the offensive performance on, on Saturday, um, but I was more frustrated watching it live than I was when, when I reviewed it a little bit in terms of some of our decision-making, I guess. And, you know, you can always – you decision-making is a two-pronged approach. Number one, should you go for it, yes or no? And number two, did you, did you make the right play call if you did decide to go for it? And that punt in the mid, you know, about the 50-yard line, which was inexplicably fl- fair caught at the, at the three-yard line, right. uh, we got away with one. I thought that was truly an atrocious sure, that's decision. It's a bad decision. Made you were so, con- so conservative to the point of being aggressive. Yeah, made made absolutely zero sense, um, but and running the ball on on a third and seven. This is sort of what you're talking about in, in terms of if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, you can view third and fourth down as as really divide by two. Try and gain as many yards as you can, or try and gain the same chunk two two separate times. However you want to do it, but um, when we ran the ball on third and seven. We got we got a handful of yards and then we kicked a field goal. I mean, in my opinion, there, if if you know you're gonna kick the field goal if you come up short on third down, you might as well just just throw the ball there because it's still a very makeable field goal either way. It's not like you, you're gonna get a little bit better in field goal range. Mike Weaver's a good kicker outside of the atrocious shank that he had against Clemson a few weeks ago. Um, you know, he's he's gonna make those. But, you know, look, fourth and four, fourth and three, fourth and one, we went for those. So I, I think our, dis- you know, in the final 20 minutes of the game, I was a support of those. And and really, one of them, Bird just didn't do a very good job blocking. Um, the next one, it seemed like it was well defended. Now the final one, I think, of the Kearney run, uh, that play, I think we really out-thought ourselves there. Um, that was just that, – that was terrible. But it, in hindsight – the plays could be better. I, I think our plays aren't bad. It's just some of sometimes the order we call them in, which is obviously very very important.
1: Yeah, and I think that's all put. I think that a lot of times it seems like we're making decisions based off of what we've done on the immediate preceding play, which if you got a third and seven from your own third, from the opponent's thirty seven, you pretty much know you're gonna go for it. Like that's not that's not a big thing. You're gonna go for two. Like you're gonna go for third down, you're gonna go for fourth down. So don't throw the ball twenty yards down the field when you only need seven yards or you can try to get four or five. Like and I I, I don't know if we're I know we look to the sideline every play and the coaches then reassess and call the play so i wonder if we're just looking at something and then it tells us like oh that's what we're seeing so we're we're gonna we're gonna make this play call if this happens and i understand and it's Base route, it's a numbers game. But uh, you know, you know, if they have seven guys in the box and we have six guys in the box, obviously we can't run. If we have eight, then we should run because they have seven. They haven't moved up. Like I get that in its simplest form. But um, I, sometimes I wonder what, what what we're looking at. And I think you put it very well. I think the play calls are there. We just have to figure out how we're, how what order we're going to use them in, and to make sure that they are going to work moving forward. But um, I think overall it was it was an expected loss. But I think after witnessing. The fact that we have more talent, and we do, the last three weeks, uh, you know, skipping the bye, Florida State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, if they showed me anything, it proved to me that Wake Forest had a very talented team, and, and it makes it even more frustrating that we continue to just shoot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again with these dumb Execution plays these dumb false starts, these dumb holds, and these dumb decisions to go for it or not go for it. Um, just, I just disagree with a lot of the mindset of the coaches, and I I would like to hear where they're coming from on that. Um, but alas, a loss is a loss, um, Wake Forest dropped to four and three on the year. Um, And we head into a pretty big matchup against Louisville. Most people who listen to this podcast probably know that uh, this game has been circled certainly by Dave Clawson and probably by uh, Bobby Petrino for for quite some time. And uh, Wake Forest opened up as a four-point underdog, but it is down to two-and-a-half or three points, depending on what you're looking at. Um, It is in Winston-Salem at 1220 on the ACC Network or your local affiliate. But if you look at the advanced stats on Football Study Hall, uh, Wake Forest is actually a favorite to win the game Um, Let me back up a little bit. Louisville is ranked 28th in the country according to the advanced uh, S&P ranking, while Wake Forest is 34th in the country, which kind of goes back to the fact that we actually have a lot of talent. um, And while we have a tough schedule, these are games that we should be competing in, and these should be close games. Um, This week is one of those games where if you combine the Wakey Leagues where Coach Elrod leaked it to Galloway, a former wide receiver coach, um, it was close last year in Louisville until they blew us out in the fourth quarter it was close two years ago. Um, I'm done with moral victories, and especially in a game that, you know, the team really wants to win, um, and I want to win uh, against Louisville. But how do you see this one playing out this week, and what should, we, uh, what should we look for on the Louisville side?
0: On the Louisville side, you're going to see a team that's very talented offensively. Thanks in large part to last year's Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson. I don't think I'm breaking Absolutely. news to anybody if you're, yeah. listen, if you're listening to our podcast. Their, their defense is is quite bad. They're 89th nationally in, in S and P Plus. They give up a ton of points to all kinds of teams. It doesn't matter how good your offense is, you're you're going to be able to to, to to score against Louisville. At least you should. Um, you know, Lamar, he's so good, he makes up for a lot of holes. I don't think their their offensive line is particularly good, but it can still be, even with a defensive line as, as good as Wake Forest, I think it can still be very difficult to to generate a pass rush and ultimately get sacks because of how elusive he is. And, you know, a a pass rush can almost hurt against you. If if you have everybody going upfield, he makes a guy miss and then all of a sudden, um, he's got a lot of room in the open space. He's sort of got to figure out how exactly do you want to play him? Do you want to do what we sort of tried to do last year and, and make him more of a passer? So incredibly talented player with, with the trenches being, I think the their biggest weakness on, on both sides and, you know, sort of to, to take a line from, from Bud Elliott last week, who does a great job with Tomahawk nation, Florida state's equivalent to blogger. So dear, um, Louisville beat Florida State 31 to 28 in Tallahassee this past Saturday, and he said the mindset going into the game has to be, you're going to outscore them. You need to think, okay, how can we get 31 points? How can we get 35 points? And I think that has to factor in to a lot of our decision making this week in terms of, look, we can't be settling for field goals if we get down to the 14 yard line. We need to be thinking, okay, we got to try and get a first down, and it can get. A little bit ugly in the sense of if you consistently fail on fourth down, then you don't have any points to show for it when you would have had a, a few sets of three. But ultimately, I don't think field goals are going to win this for us. We get in the red zone. We're going to have to find out a way to get seven. And as a coaching staff and as a team, we need to be willing to take on a worse than it appears defeat if it gives us a better chance for victory, which is what ultimately matters. I, I agree with you. <laughs> Our team is too good to only be concerned about some of the moral victories. Um, we need victories. We need victories to help get us to a bowl game this year. We still need two more despite our four in the start. So, um, you know, that's what I'm hoping to see in the game on Saturday. Um, what about you?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think you, you nailed it where you said it's the first of 30 wins. And well, we talked for I'd... three minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> The, the projected score is thirty to twenty nine. Um so it, it's gonna be the first one of thirty wins and um that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what we talked about where I feel like we play to win on the defensive side of the ball and we play not to lose on the offensive side of the ball. And I would like to see the coaching staff have the same confidence and just kind of hands-off approach on the offense where we're, we're doing everything. We're running those orbit sweeps. We're getting it across the middle. We're getting the guys in play. And we're trusting our guys to go make plays instead of saying, well, maybe don't mess this up so we can get it back over the defense. Because if we play like that, we're going to lose by three or four touchdowns. Because Lamar Jackson, is as good as our defense is, Lamar Jackson is going to come in and he's going to have a hell of a game no matter what we do. He's the reigning Heisman Trophy um, winner. He's run 122 times this year for 935 yards and 11 touchdowns. And on top of that, he's thrown for 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So he accounted for 28 touchdowns by himself this season. Um, so that, that's going to be hard to stop. We do have the defensive line. We can certainly do that. I hope. Zeke running back. Um, I think in a lot of plays, we might want to drop our defensive end a little bit, maybe spy them, help out with the linebackers, or get some more speed on the field in uh, nickel formation. Um, Maybe take a linebacker off, throw another guy on to make sure that Lamar isn't just running by us every play. But on offense, we've got to trust that the guys we have out there can go out and play. I'd like to see some deep shots early. I'd like to try to establish a few trick plays. And I don't think Clawson's going to hold back anything in this one. Um, He'll say all the right things this week. But it's pretty obvious he wants to win this game, and he sees it as a revenge game. And Dave Clawson strikes me as the type of person who, when he sees something like this, he goes for the throne. He goes for blood. So I would like to see that translate into what the offense is going to do and the offensive play calling. I don't want to see us playing scared football. I want to see the 34th best team in the country look like they know they're the 34th best team in the country playing inspired football in front of a home crowd that really wants to beat Louisville. Um, It's going to be a tough one. I I think that this game could easily make, or break our season um when you when you go down to it it's we're four and three right now the duke game is looking more and more like uh i don't want to chalk it as a victory but duke is really in a spiral right now we good um, at the game yes yeah if the game were played right now we're expected to win by 11 points they are 80th in the country um while we were 34th. so um, Other than that, we, we go to at Notre Dame uh, the week after this, which is, <laughs> could be a pretty tough game, I'll think, consider now. Um, then we go to at Syracuse where Clemson lost, and we play a state team who very well could be playing for an ACC title, should they knock off Clemson in a couple of weeks here. So You assume that Duke game is a victory, give it a .75 chance to win. we got to get another one out of here, out of Louisville, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse and State. And Louisville is the second best chance, aside from at Syracuse to do so Um, but if you lose this Louisville game then it puts a lot of pressure on you to go out and get the victory um, coming down the stretch and I don't think any of us really really want to see that Um, you know I I think it's pretty interesting most of the games that we've won in the last few years have been where a team has a a good defense but a bad offense that's kind of the reverse this week Um, they have a very good offense not so great of a defense but our offense is a little better and I think this is a chance where maybe we put a little more more faith in our offense and say, hey, this is a this is a defense that's a little uh a little wounded right now. Let's go attack them and see what we can do. And if we come out with that mentality, I think we'll go a long way um as far as winning the game. So um we'll see, but I, I think we need to make better fourth down decision making. We have to convert in the red zone. Those are the two biggest keys right now because we gotta convert those threes into sevens, which uh we haven't done a great job of all year, so Um, But we'll see how that goes. Uh, Do you have anything else on the football side you want to talk a little bit about the basketball team that uh, will kick off the season next Friday in an exhibition game?
0: Yeah, let's talk basketball.
1: Yep. So um, obviously, the first game of the year will be on November 10th against Georgia Southern. But Wake Forest will host Queens University, which is, I believe, a Division III school, um, in a couple uh, next Friday at the Joel. Um, the Ken Palm preseason ranking came out, and if you've listened to us before or read any of our articles, you know that we uh, very much like. <laughs> tin palm because he does a fantastic job of breaking down each team statistically and doing from a bird's eye view an outstanding job of predicting games uh, and Indicating what teams will do. So his preseason ranking came out, and just a brief primer on this. Um, he uses the four factors and basically continuity over the past few years to assess how a team will do the following year based on their schedule. So the four things that he looks at are effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, and free throws attempted divided by field goals attempted. So it basically looks at how well you shoot the ball, how well you protect the ball, how well you rebound the ball, and whether or not you're getting to the line a lot. To Things that there's the four most important things and what he has found correlate very highly with a winning percentage. And uh, Wake Forest finished the season last year ranked 36, despite going just 19 and 14. This year we come into the year ranked 57th in his preseason ranking. Obviously the Demon Deacons lost. Do everything, John Collins, and also who was. Presumably going to be our starting four in Dinos Mitoglu to a quite lucrative deal in Greece, which I do not blame him for one bit. But the offense is ranked 25th and defense is ranked 96th. What is your um, just first thoughts when you saw this ranking? Did you think it was too high, too low, or uh, a sweet Goldilocks right there in the middle?
0: Well, call me a homer a little bit, but I, I think it's it's slightly low. I think we can be somewhere in the 40s. Certainly, I think we're still a team who has, while we do have some question marks at, at the you know the four and the five spot, I thought we did a, a nice job of shoring up Terrence Thompson in 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 the late summer to get some veteran presence down there. I think we should have excellent guards with Bryant Crawford with with Keyshawn Woods with an excellent incoming two to three to four in, in Shondi Brown, Mitchell Wilbekin, Brandon Childress. I I think we have a lot of proven talent there. And I think we have a number of X factors in, in Darrell Moore who by all accounts has gotten a lot better over the off season SJM Olivier Sar, I think he, he can give us some interesting minutes. So I, I would expect given the way that Danny likes to play and that he can play some unconventional lineups, I think I think we exceed this. I think we have a, a really good non-conference slate in terms of we're going to be favored in essentially every game there. So yep. I think we can experiment with some lineups, especially maybe late in the game when it's a little out of hand, hopefully. Um, and, and I look for us to, to make the, the most out of the talent that we have. I think Manning has shown that now that he has his guys, um, he, he can do some interesting things. And I think, look, our offense is going to take a dip, but I think our defense should get a lot better. As as good as Dinos was offensively, I thought him having to guard some, some small ball fours created some matchup problems for us, really. But I think now we're going to have a lot more speed to be able to defend small ball fours. And um, I think that's and, – and obviously with, with Shondi Brown, I think we're going to have taller guards and, and going to be able to contest and close out a lot more.
1: Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of talk about the, the out-of-conference schedule, but I think it's a very, very well-designed schedule to maximize what the RPI looks for and what the stats look for as far as the NCAA tournament and, and what – they want to see on the stats um, While there are no big Names to stick out, Tennessee is probably The biggest name on there um, They are 43rd in the country, we will play Them in Winston-Salem on uh, December 23rd, uh, everybody Else except for Drake is ranked Between 100 and 200 In Kenpom, which means Out of the 351 Teams, there there's nobody worse than 223rd, and that's Drake The second worst is 199 And 198, those are sharp and Coastal Carolina, which are both away games um, and teams that are probably looking to have a big year. Um, so not only will the games be a little bit closer than people think, um, just overall people that don't pay a lot of attention to college basketball assume that if you're not in a Power 5 conference, then all names are the same. I think I think this week I used an example of maybe Presbyterian mm-hmm. and Green Bay and Liberty and Georgia Southern. So Georgia Southern's ranked 105th in Kempom. While people think, oh, it's a guaranteed win. Um, why don't we just schedule Presbyterian? Uh, I, let me see exactly what Presbyterian is here, um, but they're probably towards the bottom. Presbyterian is 341st in the country. That's a pretty big difference. So if Wake Forest can schedule teams that are going to win or finish second in their league. Georgia and 7
0: similar to NC State this year.
1: Yeah, they're one, spot worse, they're one spot worse than Illinois, who we just lost uh, a five-star recruit to. So that's that's not an easy opening, uh, season opening game. And there are games where uh, you might see on the scoreboard, oh, Wake one by six, one by seven, and say, oh, what's wrong with Wake? But as it goes along in the year, you're like, oh, Georgia Southern's a 23, 24 win team. Um, you know, the, I think the schedule making is a lot better than people are giving credit for because there are no bad teams to bring down your overall ranking. And that will help prepare us for the ACC uh, slate, which is, as always, pretty difficult. Um, Rob, if I were to set the over under. Under at 19.5 right now in the regular season so not counting the ACC we play a total of 30 games we uh Ken Palm has us at 17 11 but we pick up two games in what was previously the uh the U.S. Virgin Islands tournament which has been moved to Lynchburg um which should help us a little bit I would assume um if I said 19 and a half are you taking the over or the under based on what you know right now uh, about this Wake Forest basketball team?
0: I'm taking the over. I'm very bullish on the team, Uh, particularly Sean D. Brown. I I think that guy is is going to be an an absolute sensation. I think we're we're really going to move. Well, he's the 26th best player in the in the history of uh, the the (laughs) university. Without never showed up on the court. (laughs) Well, we can talk offline about some players he went behind that he should have gotten taken ahead of. But look, I, I think. We have a very manageable non-conference schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if we went undefeated in it, and though we'll probably get tripped up once. I think, look, we play Syracuse twice, we play NC State twice, so those are definitely opportunities for for road wins. I think, look, the ACC is down a little bit this year. It's it's not as as good as it once was. I've I've seen some statistics on the number of four and five stars in the league as compared to years past, and It's not a sign. Yes, we are losing John Collins, who continues to do really good things early on in his NBA career. So he he probably hit a number of our mistakes, but I think we're going to continue to get a a lot better um, as a team organically. And, you know, I I like our chances. I I like the teams we get to play at home, and I think we got some interesting matchups on the road. Um, And to your point about the schedule earlier, look, Wake – we can, we can talk all we want about the NCAA Tournament Committee valuing schedule. They only value a schedule if you win, as far as I'm concerned, from from what I've yeah. experienced. We weren't getting any credit whatsoever last year for playing really close games against very good ACC teams. We weren't getting any credit for playing very close games against the likes of you know, the Xavier's of the world, Northwesterns on the road in those games. We didn't get credit because we didn't win. Well, we should win a lot of these games. And while they're not as good of teams, you're right, there aren't any – truly bad teams on the schedule I think it'll be a really good test for us build confidence I'm taking the over on 19
1: and a half. yeah I think I would also take the over I believe but maybe by a game or so. maybe by a game or so um out of the 10 games that we have at a conference uh Kim Palm projects while we are favored in every game and aside from Tennessee we have at least a 79 percent chance to win each of the first nine games or 10 games Uh, nine games, and then a 58% to uh, beat Tennessee. Um, He projects us to win go eight and two over those, and then probably throw in each of the next two, maybe one and a half. So he would probably have us at nine to ten wins in the out-of-conference, which would require ten or eleven wins to get to twenty, but I think we'll probably get to that ten or eleven win mark out-of-conference, which will give us a little bit of wiggle room um, to get to that twenty-win mark. And I think despite what people are saying now about our schedule, I I think, like I said, it's tougher than what most people think so um, I think that if we can get to that 20 or 21 win mark depending on where the wins fall then we will be in good shape to get back to the tournament if we can win a game or two in the ACC tournament um, and, and I think we'll talk a lot more about this next week as we actually have a game next Friday which is pretty fun to talk about um, but I, we're going to do it a lot of different ways than we did it last year because um, we've got a lot of new faces coming in so Olivier Sar may play more of a John Collins type role if he's in at the four or five, while Darrell Moore will probably play, you know, a more he's inside because he's not as good a setting pick. So it'll be interesting to see how, who we pair with Brian Crawford to get him that pick and pop because we run a lot of that. Um, so it might be completely book um, where we're doing more things on defense I hope we're doing more things on defense than we did last year Um, but I think Danny Manning knows what he's doing and we've got at least as much talent on the roster this year as we did last year and and I think Brian Crawford is going to have an absolutely massive year Um, and I've been saying that for as long as he's been here so I'm a big fan Um, Rob do you have any final thoughts on uh, football or basketball or anything else before we wrap up here
0: only thoughts on football are I Cannot encourage you all enough to to show up, wear black, be very loud, be re, be very proud for the Demon Deacons on on Saturday at 12:20 at BB&T Field. Huge win, not only in league stuff, but huge win in terms of elevating our program a little bit more. to Get out um, and, and make a second consecutive bowl game. So I, you know, get out there if you can.
1: Yeah, and we will be at our normal spot. I will actually be up from Charleston, so I'm coming up uh, Friday. Um, but we will be out there around 8 a.m. in front of the Annex. It is a um, pass lot, but you can park in the general mission lot and just walk over. If we are a very uh, welcoming crew, we will have the BSD banner up. So um, come find us, and we'll, we'll get you a beer. If, uh, if you're of age, we won't card you, but we'll be there. But um, hope to see you there. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, go Deeks.
0: Go Deeks.